It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, and happy Friday. It is a beautiful day in Colorado, a beautiful day to be alive. And uh, we have a great show planned for you today. Patty has enormous research. I don't think we're going to get through all these headlines. There's a lot going on out there. Today is probably going to be Betsy Ross, uh, Colin Kaepernick day, I would say, for the first and second segment. Generally, and in the third and fourth segment, we'll be talking with, you know him, Dr. Brian Dimitrovic. Uh, he is a historical economist, and he is co-author with um, uh, I, 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 Larry Kudlow, there we go, on uh, JFK and the Reagan Revolution, The Secret uh, to American po- Prosperity, A Secret History of American Prosperity, and then uh, he's also a senior associate with the Laver Center for Supply-Side Economics. So we'll be talking to Brian in segments three and four, and how timely, given the fact that the uh, Dow is just uh, rocketing to new highs. So that'll be be great. But uh, again, you know, we talk about freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Americans like freedom, and we are seeing uh, this uh, romance of a narrative with socialism, and socialism, we must remember, is force. In the countries where you've seen it play out, Cuba, Venezuela, people are trying to get out of those countries. And uh, places where there are free markets and capitalism and freedom, people are marching and trying to get into those countries. So instead of ha- us moving towards socialism, everybody that wants socialism, hey, I just think maybe move to Cuba or uh, Venezuela and you can see that whole whole thing play out there. If you like freedom, let's make sure that we keep it happening right here in America. And uh, we do see socialization, uh, government takeover through rules, regulations, policy of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. And uh, we need to be moving these things back to responsible freedom, for sure. And I want to say thank you, first of all. Producer Steve, you do such a great job. I greatly appreciate you. Thank you. Okay. And uh, Zach, Patty, and Keith, uh, thank you for your good work and your support. And to all of you out there listening, thank you. Uh, You are all treasured and valued, and I greatly appreciate you. We're going to go ahead and get into our inspiration for today. Since we're going to be talking with Dr. Brian Dmitrovic, and since he wrote a book with Larry Kudlow called JFK and the Reagan Revolution, A Secret History of American Prosperity, I thought that we'd have a little Ronald Reagan and JFK today. So for inspiration, uh, JFK, um, John F. Kennedy, he said, The time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. Again, the time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. Sounds like a good idea to me. And so for today's funnies, this is one of my favorite Ronald Reagan stories. And he said, you know, there's a 10-year delay in the Soviet Union of the delivery of an automobile. And only one in seven families in the Soviet Union own an automobile. It's a 10-year wait. It's quite a process. And you have to put up the money in advance. So this guy lays down his money, and the fellow who was in charge said, okay, come back in 10 years to get your car. 
And he said, morning or afternoon. And the fellow behind the counter said, well, 10 years from now, what difference does it make? And the guy said, the plumber's coming in the morning. That is what happens under socialism. And a couple of other things. Be sure and go to coloradansvote.org, and you can find out where you can go sign the national popular vote. Uh, We're in the, the final push on that, and that's to get that national popular vote on the ballot Uh, As many of you know, this particular legislature and then uh, Governor Polis signed this national popular vote compact. And in essence, what it does is it takes our vote, our voice, and it gives it to these large large population centers that you see the policies in Los Angeles and San Francisco and Chicago and New York. Uh, Some places in those cities are like third world countries. That is not who we want to give our vote and our voice to. So that is why it's very important that you, if you've not signed it yet, be sure and sign the national popular vote. Now, you can only sign it once. Uh, This isn't Chicago. You can only sign it once. So uh, they need everybody to step up and sign that petition, Steve. Uh, I just had visions of somebody standing by a cemetery to sign people up. I'm sorry. Uh, Hey, let's go back, uh, back to Patty for a second and her incredible thorough attitude that she brings to what we do and this is also a follow-up to something that we said on the air yesterday uh we were talking about the fact that the the governor of uh the state of new york was pulling strings to allow somebody to get a hold of trump's tax return and i just kind (laughs) of blindly mumbled i i'd like to see his tax return and wonder if that's possible so patty went out and found the, the 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 information kumo released his 2018 tax return on april 1st he made over $211,000. His salary is $179,000. Hmm. And he paid 51000 in both federal and state taxes. So there you go. And he gets free housing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, and I, I love that. You know, we'll, say, we'll put a question out there. We need clarification. And she's on it. So, um, you know, thank you so much for all the great research. So I want to talk about Colin Kaepernick. And Betsy Ross. And when I came in, Steve, I said, you know, what do you, you know, what's on your mind? And I think we're thinking the same thing. And Complete Colorado, Mike Rosen writes for Complete Colorado. And uh, he he's just written a piece that says, Nike's Kaepernick throws the penalty flag at Betsy Ross. Now, talk about this being fighting words. He says, lacking the skills to keep his job as an NFL quarterback. <laughs> Go, Mike. (laughs) Colin Kaepernick has found success as a woke provocateur and antagonist of American history. He's now on the payroll of Nike as their go-to guy on racism and idiotic political correctness, which explains Nike's rash decision to kill its $140 special limited edition July 4th Air Max 1 USA sneaker. Why? Because Kaepernick disliked the sneaker's design, with its patriotic reproduction of America's first official flag. And uh, so go to Complete Colorado to get that whole article. Um, but then the other, another thing that I found so interesting is we've been talking about economic incentives by localities and counties and states to try to get businesses to come to their state. And um, inherently... If, in fact, you're using economic incentives to bring business to your locality, I think inherently what you're acknowledging, Steve, 
is that there are barriers to business, that government is putting up barriers to business. And so it's saying to some businesses, we're going to put up less of a barrier for you to do business here. Well, how about if you lower the barriers for everybody instead of picking winners and losers? Now, I realize then that that takes away the power, you know, the kingmakers of, um, you know, these uh, politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties. But uh, uh, so under this whole thing, uh, Arizona is withdrawing their Nike tax incentive after the company pulls the American flag shoes because they offended Colin Kaepernick. Arizona Governor Doug Ducey said this last Tuesday the state will withdraw tax incentives for Nike to open a plant after the company pulled U.S.-themed shoes, reportedly uh, following complaints from Colin Kaepernick. The Wall Street Journal reported Monday that Nike withdrew the shoes after Kaepernick, a progressive activist and former, former NFL quarterback, complained to the company that he found them offensive. Can you believe that, Steve? So let's talk a little bit about Betsy Ross. I guess we're getting close to break. Hmm. Do you think we could go to break early? Because I found this really interesting piece in the uh, Philadelphia paper, uh, 11 Things You Might Not Know About Betsy Ross. And there is something that I think you'll find very fascinating about Betsy Ross and the Battle of Trenton. So can we go to break early? And uh, let's do that. Before we, we do that, though, the Rockies. Okay. They're back in business. I hope that they found their bats and uh, that they're going to be able to start to win some games. They had a six-week losing or a six-game losing streak as they went into the All-Star break. So they're back on the home field tonight with the Cincinnati Reds. It's a three-game stand and then three games with San Francisco Giants starting on Monday night. And you know the place, Steve, you know the place to watch all these games is Hooters. It's the spot to be this summer. Enjoy Hooters beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs, and mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. They have plenty of ice-cold beer options to help you cool down, which is going to be warm today, so that's a good idea. And uh, love this. Uh, they have nine items for 9 bucks, 11 to 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. You can choose from nine delicious menu items such as fish and shrimp tacos, salad, cheeseburger, Philly cheesesteak, and their boneless wings. So you can get uh, you, all those you have to dine in for. But you can get you know anything on the menu to go, or you can have it delivered to your front door. For more information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And then we're going to talk about some things that you might know, might not know about Betsy Ross. We'll be right back. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. 
Let's have a conversation. We need to be having reasonable civil conversations with each other. The best way to do that is to know what you're talking about. And that is why we do this show. Um, Before we talk about 11 things you might not know about Betsy Ross, uh, I am doing a bucket list thing that I didn't actually realize was on my bucket list is I'm going to get to ride on a World War II bomber this afternoon. It's either going to be a B-17, a B-24, a B-25. And I know so many of you (laughs) signed up for this drawing that we did. This morning, John Medford uh, was our winner. He is a Denver police officer. He is going to get to ride on uh, one of those bombers this morning. So that's pretty exciting. If you want more information, go to cfdn.org. That's cfdn.org. That's the Collins Foundation. And they are bringing these World War II birds in today. Uh, If you get up to the uh, Northern Regional Colorado Airport up there in Loveland, the bombers will be coming in. I'd say get up there by 1.30. They'll probably be coming in around between 1.30 and 2. There's going to be a complete uh, reenactment camp. There's going to be tank, uh, jeeps, all kinds of things. And that part is free. Now, if you'd like to actually ride on one of the bombers, now it's a little spendy. Uh, the B-17s and the B-24s are $450 for a ride. The B-25 is $400. And Steve, <laughs> it's spendy, and I, I think it's really a bucket list. I don't, but you know what? You can actually ride in a P-51 Mustang, or you can fly in a P-40 Warhawk fighting training plane. I mean, talk about an amazing experience. So. Get up there today. It's today, tomorrow, and then on Sunday as well. And uh, I'm going to be up there this afternoon. And tomorrow morning, I'll be up there as well because there's going to be a number of World War II veterans. So for more information, check out cfdn.org. It's going to be an amazing experience. This is the only place that they're bringing these birds in uh, here in Colorado. So it's going to be a great weekend up there in Loveland. And, you know, and it needs to be said, if, if people's eyebrows go up with the price of the, you know, the ride, Obviously, that money's going directly to the maintenance of the plane. They right. Are, uh, that's a big deal. It's, it's certainly not going uh, to anybody's profit line or anything like that. It's just solely to keep those planes flying. And, and what an important part of history. And uh, clearly, when you've got these, these young people like Kaepernick, in some ways I, I look at it and I'm like, you know, he is a product of what has happened with uh, culture, with media, and what's happened in our schools. To not understand who Betsy Ross is and what she did is it's really, I think it's, it's more of a reflection of what is, is going on in our society. But Steve, I think I was, uh, I was thinking, what's the silver lining on this whole thing? The silver lining on this is people that have never heard of Betsy Ross all of a sudden are, are talking about Betsy Ross. And so with that, we need to be able to uh, have that become a history lesson. I'd be willing, willing to bet that if you get some search statistics from Google and any of the other search in, engines, the day after that uh, story broke that the number of hits for Bessie Ross went right through the roof. Well, and this is a, a really terrific piece. This is from phillymag.org. Dot com, excuse me, phillymag.com. Okay, Betsy uh, was born Elizabeth Griscom. She was born on New Year's Day in 1752 in Philadelphia. She was the eighth of 17 children of, <laughs> wow. <laughs> of Samuel and Rebecca James Griscom. Griscom. Her, uh, only nine of the children survived to adulthood. Uh, and, and just on that note, when we had Audrey Carlson in with Liberty Oilfield Services, it was common back then. It was just because uh, 
um, we're talking about health and hydrocarbons. You know, many, many of our children survive to adulthood now. Back then, that didn't happen. And uh, so I won't go through all that then. Number two, after attending a Quaker school, and Steve, to your point, Quakers were abolitionists. They were against slavery. So here here you have Kaepernick over here talking about slavery, slavery, slavery. And the Quakers were some of those that took the stand against slavery. And he doesn't even know that. This it helps to highlight the idiocy that's behind these types of things that he does. I mean, I'd be scared to sift to be on that pedestal that he's put himself on. And so I would make sure that anything that I uttered would be absolute truth, absolute fact. And yet he makes these utterances with obviously no real research on his own. He's parroting this whole narrative out there. But uh, anyway, she was uh, she attended a Quaker school. She apprenticed to an upholster named William Webster. While working for him, she fell in love with fellow apprentice John Ross, a nephew of George Ross Jr., one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. And John and Bessie eloped and were married in Gloucester City, New Jersey, when she was 21. And the Griscom household was Quaker, and the Rosses were Anglican. So after her elopement, Betsy was expelled from her Quaker congregation and shunned by her family. She and John started their own upholstery business and joined Christ Church near 2nd and Market, where George Washington worshipped when he was in Philadelphia on business. Number, th- number four. Two years after into the marriage, the Revolutionary War broke out. John, who was a member of the Pennsylvania Provincial Militia, was assigned to guard munitions and was killed in a gunpowder explosion. Betsy was widowed at 24 with no children. She continued the upholstery business in a shop on Arch Street while also making tents and blankets, repairing uniforms, and constructing musket balls for the Continental Army. Uh, Let's go through a few others because I want to hold this last story for you. On June 15, 1777, Betsy married her second husband, Seaman Joseph Ashburn. In 1780, Ashburn's ship was captured by the Royal Navy. He was charged with treason and jailed in Old Mill Prison in England. While he was there, his first daughter with Betsy, named Zilla, died, and another daughter, Eliza, was born. He died in Old Mill in 1780, and a fellow prisoner, John Claypool, brought Betsy the news. Three years later, she married Claypool. And they went on to have five daughters together, Clarissa, Susanna, Jane, Rachel, and Harriet. And Harriet died when she was a baby. Uh, Betsy's mother and father and sister all died in Philadelphia's yellow fever epidemic. And John Claypool died in 1817. Betsy, who had always worked as an upholster and seamstress, kept her shop open for another decade. And after his death, before retiring, became a poor eyesight and moved in with her daughter, Susanna, on a farm in Abington Township. The first mention of Bessie in conjunction with the sewing of the Stars and Stripes is in a paper written by her grandson, William Camby, and was presented by the Historical Society of Pennsylvania in March in 1870. The paper relies on family recollections from Bessie's daughters and a cousin to recount the now familiar tale of how George Washington, with several other founding fathers, visit, visited Bessie in her shop and commissioned her to sew the first true American flag. In Camby's story, Washington originally wanted a six-pointed stars on the flag because they were easier to cut. But Betsy demonstrated to him in a quick, simple method of cutting a five-pointed star with a single scissors snip. The U.S. government provides a slideshow demonstrating the technique. It's, uh, you can't even uh, understand it, but that's government for you. The private version is much easier <laughs> to read and to recreate. 
and then I think I want to go to this last story, and that is, if you remember the Battle of Trenton, that is where Washington got the uh, uh, Continental troops across the frozen Delaware River. I mean, it was so cold that night, and that was on, uh, let's see here, let me get right to this. It was on Christmas Eve in 1776. What, what Washington did from a logistical standpoint is absolutely astounding. They were able to get the Continental Army across the Delaware River, and, uh, and they were going to attack at Trenton. It's Christmas Eve. It's so cold. Uh, and many of the Continental uh, soldiers did not have, they didn't have, you know, proper clothing. They didn't have shoes. They say that, in fact, if the uh, British and the Hessians had been paying attention, they would have been able to see the Continental Army because of all the blood that was in the snow, because it was, the, the ground was so frozen that the, the guys were getting their, their feet w- was getting cut. Uh, but uh, so anyway, uh, it, it was inherent for George Washington to be able to surprise the Hessians there. And uh, some historians theorize that Betsy was the beautiful young widow who served to distract Hessian Colonel Carl Emil Ulrich von Donop by spending Christmas Eve 1776 with him and diverting him and his troops from Washington's successful assault on Trenton on Christmas Day. If so, she took one for the troops, because von Donop was brutal and harsh and disliked even his own men. So the story is, is that there was uh, um, a, a, um, a, what is it, a, a, a scout that had realized that uh, Washington was on his way and he was going to attack at Trenton. And in fact, uh, you know, the Hessians were parting the night of Christmas Eve and and, uh, uh, folklore has it that the scout actually put a little note underneath the door and said that Washington is coming and that the uh, Hessian uh, commander took the note and he put it in his pocket and uh, then he looked at it the next morning that said Washington is coming. And by the time he looked at it to see that Washington is coming, Washington was already there. And they say that perhaps he was entertained by a beautiful widow, and uh, many think that's Betsy Ross. So she clearly was a patriot. A lot of people don't know that story. And uh, I thought that that was just important, given this whole Colin Kaepernick thing, that we, we learned a little bit more about Betsy Ross. She was a true patriot. There was a, a couple of other things that I wanted to, to just let you know very quickly. Uh, the Colorado Automobile Dealers Association had filed a lawsuit uh, regarding these ZEVs and LEVs, these executive orders that had come down the pike, that in essence is going to make the vehicles that Coloradans want uh, to drive and that work for their lifestyles much more expensive. And uh, the Denver Post reported that a state district judge has dismissed that lawsuit by CADA saying that, uh, that said that these tougher statewide vehicle fuel standards are unlawful. And uh, Denver District Judge Martin Egelhoff, we're going to have to start to remember these judges. He wrote in a decision that it was released this last Monday that the Dealers Association didn't have a legal standing to challenge the rule, meaning it didn't show that the rule would harm its legally protected interest. I find that hard to believe. Uh, So we will keep an eye on that because the freedom to drive, the freedom of mobility is inherent for everyday people to go after their hopes and dreams. Uh, I'm excited we'll be talking with Brian Dimitrovic in segments three and four. Uh, regarding the economy. I have some other questions uh, regarding Art Laffer and and Jared Polis, so you're going to want to hear about that. Before we do that, though, we have on the line with us Jason McBride, Presidential Wealth Management, and the market is uh, its hot right now, isn't it, Jason? 
isn't that something? Uh, yesterday, the Dow hit 27,000 for the first time. Uh, the S&P 500 hit 3,000 for the first time. Uh, the NASDAQ also made a new high, but it was just like some random number. It wasn't an even number, but our, our markets are doing great. Uh, and, Kim, you know, sometimes people would think, well, if the market's already if it's hitting a new high, I shouldn't be buying here because it's too high. But it depends on how it's making that new high. If it's oh. just been going straight up, 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 and you're kind of chasing the top of what looks like a, a you know a vertical flagpole move, if you look at a chart, yeah, you might be asking for trouble. But if you look at a chart of the Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ over the last 18 months, we're what are us chart readers uh, trying would call trying to break out of a base pattern here, because the market is really with swings back and forth. It's for the most part just been sideways for the last year and a half, and now it's trying to emerge out of that sideways pattern. And I think the next few days will be real interesting if we can if we can cleanly blast out of this area see a nice pickup in volume in the market, some big institutional buying come in. I think that that'll be a good thing. Uh, we may not immediately see a whole bunch of upward progress, uh, Kim, because it's kind of tough to get a big rally going in the middle of the summer. Uh, but I think it, it, even if we, we push up just a little bit higher and kind of hold there and even just swing back and forth a little bit uh, we could be set up for uh, you know a really nice fall rally that's when a lot of the really good ones uh, occur and this is also pre-election we talked a little bit about that yesterday how right. pre-election can be be uh, good for people so you know what you specialize in though you and your colleagues uh, Jason is people's personal economy I mean it's exciting to hear you know that all these new highs have been been hit but sure. what what really matters to people is you know what's happening for them and their family and that is what you specialize in well we do and uh you know the neat part is is of course when the markets are doing well that does affect people's personal economies uh for the better uh which makes uh, our job you know there's happy times and not so happy times and then what our jobs are but i but i love seeing new highs like this in a good market because it does help people personally, and it helps people who have 401ks, which is uh, contrary to popular belief, not just the rich, it's the everyday working person. And so these type of activities benefit everyone. And you're right, Kim, we, we do look at people's personal economies. I think it's smart to make a plan that is very very uh, personal just to you, to what you want, to the money you have, and what your needs are. Uh, and that's what we help people do at uh, Presidential Wealth Management. Well, and so I think today's quote from JFK on our inspiration is so apropos, and that is, the time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. So the time to sit down and take a look at your nest egg, your personal economy, is when the sun is shining here. And uh, you can do that. Uh, you've got podcasts that come out every Friday. You can get all that information at chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. Jason, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you on Monday. 
All right. Have a great show, Kim. Well, we'll do. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Dr. Brian Dimitrovic. He is a co-author with Larry Kudlow of JFK and the Reagan Revolution, a secret history, history of American prosperity. He's also a senior associate at the Laffer Center for Supply Side Economics. And then he's an economic historian. And uh, so I can't wait to talk to him about the economy. I've got some questions regarding Art Laffer, the, the friendship between Art Laffer and Jared Polis. And uh, you won't want to miss this conversation. We'll be right back. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the Americhicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the Americhicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland for sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. In Denver and Castle Rock, Kim would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Denver and YourTownTaxpayers.com for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, We'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Thrilled to have a conversation with Dr. Brian, Dimi- Brian, Dr. Brian Dimitrovic. And uh, just was listening to that song, Running on Empty. This economy is not running on empty, is it, Brian? Not at all, Kim. I mean, it's really surging. This all-time high in the stock market is something else. I think that indicates that... The markets understand that the electorate broadly realizes that this Trump tax reform was wonderful and has to be sustained no matter what happens after 2020. Well, and uh, Brian, it's so good to have you here. There's so much I'd like to ask you about. But as you mentioned, typically the market is looking into the future. And at this particular point, the market is is saying there's a bright future for America. And uh, one of the reasons is is because, uh, as you mentioned, cutting taxes. And Trump has done a number of different things. He's And um, you have the five pillars of uh, Reaganomics. And would you share that again with our listeners and uh, let us know. Let's go through how, how are we doing on each of these five pillars right now? 
Sure. Yeah, the five pillars of Reaganomics, that was a term that Arthur Laffer coined while he was with the Reagan administration advisory board in the 80s. It's tax rate cuts, so low taxes, low spending, regulatory restraint, stable money, and free trade. So those are the five pillars. You make progress on all five of those. In the United States of America, you're going to have nothing but prosperity. And what we had seen, though, Brian, with, with the administrative state, with the more and more politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties, you know, really putting their hands on the economy, we were seeing, you know, higher tax rates, higher regulations, um, you know, l- less free trade, uh, and, you know, more and more spending. And so trying to get that turned around, you were seeing, I, I can feel there's, you know, a bit of a skip in the step of the economy and also in everyday people. You know, I know that, that we talk about all this divisiveness, but I'll tell you, probably about 95% of the people that I greet on the street or when I walk out of the building here uh, from the studio, you know, it, it's all the descriptors that we have. Uh, it's all the things that people want to divide us, you know, black, black, white, Hispanic, man, woman, gay, straight, all that. And people are greeting each other. They're smiling at each other. There's only about, I'd say, about 5% that's so angry. So I see a lot of unity coming together. But let's talk about, first of all, the tax rate. What happened with Trump on the tax rate that you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, I mean, the top tax rate went down only modestly, only a couple points into the mid-30s. The most important part of the tax reform, without question, is the reduction in the corporate rate from 35 to 21 percent at the top. Um, That was an enormous tax rate cut and has everything to do with the corporate business resurgence in the United States with people getting that spring in their step that you're talking about, which is the birthright of every American. Mm -hmm. America is the land of opportunities, American dream. When you come to America, you're going to have a spring in your step because you're doing well. And for a long time now, we didn't have that, as you said. You clear out major tax rates, you're going to get that as a matter of course in this country, and that corporate tax rate was the centerpiece of that bill. Okay, the next one, let's let's bite off. In fact, uh, looking at one of the headlines here, uh, let's see if I can find it, but we're not getting the spending figured out. And it has been a bipartisan, kick the can down the road kind of a thing. But that's kind of the bugaboo that I see. What What do you think about that? Yeah, that's really disappointing. I mean, the federal budget is just careening towards $5 trillion. Um, now, I have all along said that one, one of the most important ways to cut spending is to lower tax rates. In that, when tax rates are lower, we see people get their, skipping their step. We see a lot of people start to succeed in the private sector. And I believe, based on a lot of evidence, by the way, that given the opportunity to work in the private economy over having a public sector job, when there's real opportunity, the vast majority of of Americans will bolt towards a private sector job. So I actually think that one of the long-term ways to cut spending is to reduce the flow of people into the government workforce by making the private sector so attractive they would never think of having a government job. So even though Congress is really lying down on the job in terms of this $5 trillion spending, I think if we keep cutting tax rates, people are simply not going to participate in government spending anymore, and we're going to have to get it that way. Okay, so let's let's see how these two things are interrelated, though, Brian, because um, 
I, I hate to put a, a Democrat or Republican label on it. So let's say that people that want bigger and bigger and bigger government, I think that they look at at, at everything as static. Everything's a zero-sum game. So, you know, right now this is the economy, and if we raise taxes, we're going to raise we're going to raise that much more money. But it isn't static. If they raise taxes, then people adjust what they're doing. And your point has always been that if you lower taxes, people get more creative, they get more innovative, they get more productive, more industrious. And so you have a much bigger pie, and you can have a lower percentage of that bigger pie, and tax revenues actually go up. Absolutely. On on the immediate level, when tax rates in our progressive tax system that we have are lowered, so especially at the top, there is a very powerful effect on the after-tax return to any further activity. So when the corporate rate went from 35 to 21, the return increased from 65 cents on every dollar to 79 cents on every dollar. That's big. That's 14 cents out of 65 cents. And all sorts of new decisions are made on that basis. So what we necessarily have, economically have, from any tax rate cut is a very significant push into the private sector that will always result in better fundraising opportunities for the government and so forth. So there's nothing but good things. It's only a virtuous circle. <laughs> okay, well, then that brings up the next thing, and that is rules and regulations. Uh, and we have seen uh, through the administrative state rules and regulations that constrict people. I mean, each of us, because you, you just think about it. We had something that was just passed here in Denver by the Denver City Council. It's a 300-page vision statement. It's called a Blueprint Denver. And I, I will guarantee to you, uh, I guess you should never say guarantee, but I'm, I, I would be 99% sure to guarantee to you that everybody here in Denver is probably breaking some kind of rule or regulation that they didn't even know existed. And the problem with that kind of stuff is then the administrators can choose who they're going to enforce those rules and regulations on and who they're not. And so when Trump came into office, my understanding, Brian, is, is he said, okay, for every new regulation, we have to get rid of two. And that has been a big deal for this economy, too, right? Yeah, Kim, what you're, what you're talking about there in Denver, really, to, uh, to be clear about it, is corruption by another name. It's corruption by the name of virtue. It's government Ooh. officials running around saying what people should do while saying they have the moral high ground. I mean, really, government officials should not be doing that. That's actually a moral fault if you're doing that. So to claim that it's virtuous and it's legal and all that stuff is uh, a real bait and switch. The thing, my theory on regulation is the, the reason it has expanded so much, in particular the last two, three decades, two decades, let's say, is that there was such success on the tax front. The tax, the supply siders just identified that top tax rate 70% before Reagan, 39% under Clinton, and just said, let's get that down. And it was just there that you could rally around the 35% corporate tax rate. But the $5 trillion spending, we rally around that. But regulation is too amorphous. There's not one measure, there's not one standard that its opponents can point to and say, let's get that and slay it. And that's why the big government state is concentrated on its expansion efforts in the area of regulation, because they know that its opponents find it more difficult to rally around the reason to bring it down. And I think that's a very canny move 
parasitic move by the government to switch into regulation where it's more difficult to rally counter opposition. And so we've uh, we've got to keep doing what Trump's doing. Well, and I agree. I think I was just thinking this whole regulation thing is almost like a a tin-headed monster. You know, uh, you you try to cut it off here, and it seems like it grows over here. And so once again, to reduce to reduce people moving into government jobs and government dependent jobs. You know, you see a lot of this um, in. This has kind of been, I think, a new, in a way, a bait and switch, and that is um, the nonprofit arena. That in essence, they're living off of government grants. You know, uh, it used to be that nonprofit meant charity. It meant to be that we were doing things to try to help people. But I think that that's been morphed into something that is being used to live off of the government. And, and a lot of these nonprofits, instead of doing charity work, are actually doing public policy work, pushing for a more administrative state. Yeah, that's really sad. I, there's so much wealth that is tossed off on this country. The idea that private foundations, that foundations have to rely at all on government money is just unbelievable. The, the Carnegie Library System, uh, just to say the most famous uh, kind mm-hmm. of example of philanthropy, is now basically a ward of the state. Uh, so whatever happened to Andrew Carnegie's fortune, it's no longer substantially supporting that library system because government took it over. Uh, that you bet that's a bait and switch. And um, I remember, you know, I used to talk to Phil DeStefano at the University of Colorado, the, the uh, chancellor, um, about how if there was a really big tax cut, especially in a prosperous metro like Denver, like a really big one, there would be so much private money. You could easily fund whatever the government's giving the University of Colorado, which is actually a lot of money, mm-hmm. like $400 million a year. Every time his eyes always lit up, and he always loved to talk about that topic. <laughs> I'm sure that he did. So, hey, Brian, we're going to go to break. This is Kim Munson with the Americhicks, and I'm talking with Dr. Brian Dimitrovic. He is an economic historian. He is the author of the book JFK and the Reagan Revolution, A Secret History of American Prosperity. And he is also a senior associate with the Laffer Center for Supply-Side Economics. And I want to go through the other two of the five pillars uh, of uh, supply-side economics and then uh, also talk a little bit about what's going on here in Colorado. So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We will be right back with Dr. Brian Dimitrovic. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Friday, July 12th through Thursday, July 18th, features will include Toy Story 4, Men in Black International, and Godzilla. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. 
You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. And I'm just thrilled to have this conversation with Dr. Brian Dimitrovic. He is uh, an economic historian. He's written this amazing book, JFK and the Reagan Revolution. He co-authored it with Larry Kudlow. It's a secret history of American prosperity. And he's a senior associate at the Laffer Center for Supply-Side Economics. And, and Brian, just very quickly explain what JFK and Ronald Reagan had in common. Uh, because I think J- JFK would be, um, he would not be considered maybe even a Democrat in this current Democrat Party. Yeah, Kim, I think I think the Democratic Party would be completely different if, if Kennedy had not been assassinated. I think that the great tax cuts that he made happen in 1963-1964 would have become standard Democratic policy. So, uh, yeah, what the, what the similarity is between Kennedy and Reagan is they both addressed economic sluggishness not dissimilar from what we experienced in the 2000s by saying we need a big cut in our marginal rate of the income tax, and they both got that. And while we're doing that, we can't have any funny business with the dollar. The dollar has to be very good against things like gold and foreign exchange. So we can have sound money and tax rate cuts. And in both cases, there was phenomenal economic growth, the kind of growth we associate with the American dream. Well, and that's number four on your five pillars of uh, of you know things that are so important is stable money. How are we doing regarding that right now, Brian? I think we're doing okay. I, I like what uh, what the president is doing with the Federal Reserve. He is uh, really trying to get the Federal Reserve to accept some members, and the Senate put some members of its board who are very interested in stable money, in particular. Uh, the gold standard, which worked so well up until 1971 for 175 years of American economic greatness. And I know that uh, Stephen Moore and Herman Cain would have been great picks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, shame on the Senate for kind of ushering them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Judy Shelton, the current pick, is a very good friend of mine and a good friend of Robert Mundell's, who's the kind of hero of the other book I wrote, Econoclast. Um, mm-hmm. She will hold the Fed's feet to the fire. So I think there's good progress on that. I know the price of gold's going up a little bit. Um, but I think the Fed understands now that this president is serious about good money, and this country loves its prosperity. Don't ruin it with a weak dollar and with uh, the fluctuating floating exchange rates. Well, and before we get to number five, speaking of, of weak, uh, producer Steve had seen this uh, meme. Remember when Obama had said, what's Donald Trump going to do to change this economy? Because we were, you know, we we're at one to one and a half percent GDP growth, and Obama said that that was the new norm, and that's why I think that we had sluggishness. You know, I think that uh, I think people, you know, did not have that skip in their step. And so Steve said he saw well what the wand is, and it had a skeleton, and it showed a backbone. And that is, that is one thing <laughs> is that seems to be the 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 magic wand out there is taking a stand and having a backbone. So let's go to the number the fifth one, and that is free trade. And, of course, that mentions the word tariffs. So how are we doing on free trade? Yeah, that's uh, obviously the big new thing uh, in the Trump administration. Now, Art, uh, Arthur Laffer and I have just written a kind of, kind of a major paper. We've jointly wrote it. It'll be published in about a week um, about tariffs, about the history of tariffs and their relevance today. Uh, nobody likes tariffs. Tariffs are bad in that they are a tax. But 
the point about tariffs is that they are no more a tax than anything else is a tax. They're no more a tax than the income tax is a tax, than a sales tax is a tax. So we have to be careful about free trade. If we say no tariffs ever, we can't say then, and we'll have an income tax instead of it. Because when we've done that, we've often taken our income tax rates to 50, 70, 90%, or Bill Clinton's 40, Barack Obama's 40. We can't have that kind of free trade. We can't have free trade that just gives us free reign or jack up that income tax. So what Laffer and I have suggested, okay, President Trump, you want some tariffs. That's too bad, but whatever. We'll deal with it. If so, let's have still further income tax cuts. And if we have very modest tariffs, and I mean very modest, and then continual rates, uh, cuts in the rate of the income tax, this economic boom will know no end. Well, and that was one thing on tariffs that on one of our interviews previous you had said – uh, Brian, what was interesting is that Donald Trump has has brought it to the attention to the American people that these other countries have been charging tariffs on our goods going into their countries. I think that many of us thought that, hey, you know, there was free trade, but they've been charging tariffs on our products going into their countries, and he's shed a light on that. Hey, Kim, that's another very positive development. That's something that went unsaid and unremarked upon for decades, really. We kind of assumed in the era of NAFTA and the general agreements on tariffs and trade, the World Trade Organization and all that, that, oh, we live in a world of free trade, um, which covered up all these glaring exceptions to free trade, especially on the part of other countries, and that in Canada, for example. And that has been a very productive development that we have uncovered those falsities. I fear now that we're kind of forgetting those lessons and the European Union and other China are kind of shuttling those tariffs back into place. Of course, that's also the secret to their sluggishness. I mean, if you want to be a sluggish economy, have a lot of secret tariffs. Aha. Okay. Brian, we are just about out of time. And there is this question that I've just been dying to ask you. And that is, and I, I've seen Arthur Laffer in person, and, and he is funny. You know, he, he was one of those young guys that came up with this whole idea of supply-side economics uh, under Pre- President Reagan. And you guys are friends, and Arthur Laffer is friends with Polis, uh, Governor Polis out here in Colorado. And Governor Polis seems like a regulatory guy. He seems like a high-tax guy. Can you explain that? friendship between the two, and I really wish that Polis would listen to Laffer more. Sure. Uh, well, I know this. So Arthur Laffer used to be in, in California. That's back in the old Proposition 13 days and afterwards. Uh, and he moved to Tennessee later on because the income tax is 13% <laughs> in California. Well, back then when he was in Southern California, he had an intern, and I think he knew his mother, and that was Jared Polis at the age of 13. I think his name was different back then. But anyway, uh, and he, they really got along well. So the, this 13-year-old, you know, up-and-comer was an intern. And my hunch is that since that time, I don't, I don't know that a month has passed that they haven't talked on the phone. I know they talk on the phone very regularly right now, and that Arthur Laffer tells him, if you're going to have a tax cut, make sure that it's on the, the, the broadest base, that you can you cut taxes across the board. And I want to point out that... I have been saying for years, there's going to be a Democrat who is going to make peace with tax rate cuts. And people like Stuart Varney, my good friend on TV, said, oh, Brian, you're too optimistic. You, you're besotted with John F. Kennedy. But Jared Paulson in Colorado has said, I think there should be a cut in income tax rates. And that is 
the beginning of big things. Okay, Brian, my understanding is he has kind of floated that idea. However, it's been possibly in doing a deal to get rid of TABOR, which is Colorado's uh, um, amendment. It was passed by the people of Colorado about 25 years ago. It's the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights. And so I'm not sure that I really like that little income tax cut because then you get a a new legislature, a new governor in there that could jack those back up. I I really want to protect Tabor, so I'm a little concerned about that. Kim, I totally understand. I mean, whatever uh, gains have been made, I mean, they have to be husbanded. What I marvel at, just kind of from the national perspective, is that a lot of Democrats used to be in favor of tax rate cuts because they understood how much it resulted in jobs and opportunities for the masses even tax rate cuts on the top. Uh, That was Phil Graham. I mean, that was so many Democrats. That was Russell Long. That was Wilbur Mills. That was all the top Democrats. That was Bill Bradley, who called himself a socialist as of 1986. (laughs) And just to see that just completely collapse is just weird, and it can't be sustained. So however much Governor Paulus is talking about tax rate cuts, however imperfectly, That is the chink in the armor, the first one that we have seen in the Democratic Party in recent years. I'll consider a tax rate cut. And I would just I would kind of suggest to Coloradans that they could explore how to widen that little chink without giving away any kind of important gains. Because if we can make progress on that score nationally or in Colorado, Democrats, tax rate cuts, then we could really be talking about mourning in America. Wow, I hadn't looked at it that way. Okay, uh, we're just about out of time, but a quick comment. You you spent, have spent so much time on college campuses, and it is astonishing to me to see these these young, bright, many wi- young, bright women that are uh, getting into office, and they are advocating communism. We have a, a new uh, city councilwoman here in, in Denver that she graduated from the, the Denver uh, University of Denver, and she is, is basically said, I am a communist. I want communal ownership of property. What do you say to this that's coming out of these uh, universities? Yeah, I, I hope that... I. Sure hope they got their Twitter accounts and uh, their their megaphones because I actually kind of uh, sympathize with Nancy Pelosi's view on this thing. Um, you're really popular, is that right? Yeah. Then then how come you broadcast your views all the time? Because that uh, there's lots of sound bites on on the news for that. How popular really are you? Uh, AOC, our friend in Congress, for example. Um, I, I think most of her interest comes from her opposition, who just likes to see her talk. Um, I'm not sure this stuff is really popular. Once you have an alternative, and we didn't have this in the Obama years, the alternative is what we talked about in the first part of this conversation. The, the alternative is really nice prosperity, where you can do well in this economy, like lots and lots of people, including young people. That has depth. That has traction. This stuff about intellectuals talking about communism, they say, I hope they have a Twitter account. Oh, my gosh. Brian Dimitrovic, thank you. We are out of time. But again, uh, the book, JFK and the Reagan Revolution, A Secret History of American Prosperity. Be sure and pick it up. It's a fabulous book. So, Brian, thank you so much. Okay, Kim. Okay. And so our quote for today is JFK. He says, let us not seek the Republican answer or the Democrat answer, but the right answer. Let us not seek to fix the blame for the past. Let us accept our own responsibility for the future. 
So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.